Welcome to 15 Minutes on the Way, Season 5, The Kings, the human ones. If you're a first-time listener, you really owe it to yourself to start at the beginning. You can find Episode 1 easily at 15minutesontheway.com. Otherwise, brace yourself for a podcast in God's voice telling His side of your story. If it's been a while since you listened to last week's episode, you may wish to refresh your memory with the circumstances surrounding Uzzah's demise. Should you suffer lesser but similar consequence from a clash between my holiness and your lack thereof, you should move on afterward as well, assuming that you've survived the encounter. Since you're still listening to this, you're able to move on. David's discernment of his present situation reboots things with a fresh start, and I've got one ready for you, too. The narrative we're currently unpacking can be found in 2 Samuel 6 or 1 Chronicles 15. Note how the tone of things switches from fear, stemming from Uzzah's demise, to celebration at my presence and at my moving nearer to my people. David is dancing up a storm on the way in and the people are hitting the buffet with what can only be smiles on their faces. Hear this. Being reunited with me is something to celebrate, to get happy about, to mark as something significant and special, because nothing is or can ever be more significant than getting into or returning to relationship with me. In not too terribly long, we'll be telling you about the parties our neighbor angels throw these days whenever a human steps on the way. In case I haven't made the point clear enough, I'm hoping you will take this opportunity to bring me back into your life, friend, or further in if you're already on the way. Even as the abundance of joy and blessing is ricocheting around Jerusalem, there's a sourpuss who doesn't come to the party. David's wife, Michal, daughter of Saul. She isn't her old self any longer. She's become a bit too much like her father and is looking at the situation through the lenses of politics, privilege, and pride. She attempts to cut David down on his return for making such a spectacle of himself. The woman is totally missing what's really going on here. She's got an equal in most of your lives, too, someone who doesn't understand why you're even thinking about me, much less trying to learn more and follow me on the way. Whoever your Michal might be right now, don't let them get to you. Remember that they're not seeing the whole picture yet. Trust in me to take care of you even when someone close to you thinks I am an imagined figment. You know that I am not and your keeping on the way is one of the ways we are going to show them that which is real and that which is not. Not to change the subject, but now's a good moment to bring something to your attention with regard to the owner's manual. The three of you who are actually looking up and at the scripture references we mention noticed something that I want you others to have on your radar too. Up until this point, for the most part, we've been tracking along our merry, linear way with Tom, working through Samuel most recently. Suddenly, however, we've got a parallel account popping up in Chronicles, 
yet another book that was originally one volume that got cracked into two by the scholars translating it into Greek for the first time. They also changed the title of the book from the Hebrew original, The Events of the Days, which was admittedly pretty clunky, to The Things Omitted. This, you'll agree, was not really an improvement, though it speaks to the writer's style of covering other writers' ground through his own lens. The term chronicles was handily applied by yet another scholar, a decent chap named Jerome, translating all of the owner's manual into Latin at the turn of the 4th into the 5th century. Uh, that's A.D. centuries, folks, so relatively recently, at least from our point of view. This is both handier than and as appropriate a name as the original, as Chronicles rather ambitiously starts with Adam and treks quickly up to our current point of discussion in the Abra plan in just a few swift chapters, in rather stark contrast to our current endeavor with you. However, the Chronicler's chief device thus far has been lengthy genealogies, which explains why you've never read it before and why we've only just recently started referring to it. As to a seemingly sudden double account in Tom, panic not, friend. We've simply got another writer adding details that weren't part of the original telling of the same events. If we included every single aspect of every single moment along the way of the Abra plan, going through a full description of the surrounding environment, weather, flora, fauna, listing every person present in every crowd, detailing what they're wearing, not to mention the thoughts, attitudes, intentions, agendas, and feelings of all present, well, you can see that some economy of speech is required in order to touch on the most important points while having a manageable manual that doesn't require horsepower to move about. There's more left out than in, you could say. The writer of Chronicles, uh, let's be original and call him The Chronicler. The Chronicler is writing later, looking back and filling in points that he's keen on your noticing, and I am glad for you to have as well. We're not going to spoil his storyline at this point, but you can notice that he's the one giving us details about the Levites. This isn't negating what's in Samuel and Kings by any means just as multiple coverage of the same moment by Deuteronomy of things in Exodus or Numbers shouldn't trouble you either. I am still overseeing the whole project, and just because the writer of Samuel didn't include the Levites in his telling of my ark's transport to Jerusalem doesn't mean they weren't there. Samuel's got the human drama going strong and is very relational in his point of view. The chronicler is a little on the obsessive-compulsive side and wants you to see how things work, you could say. They complement each other. This is a technique we are going to use to great effect in the future. This is a good time for a gentle habitual reminder too, friend. Though we mentioned it earlier, your ongoing awareness doesn't include the fact that the method with which you're taking this in is a form of technology. This is even true for those who are reading along in an old-fashioned book. That book is a technological advance on Tom's original form. Your codex is substantially different from the way these things were first written and then read for centuries upon centuries. 
There was no comparing this sentence and verse in Samuel to that one in Chronicles unless you were prepared to roll huge scrolls out upon the floor and fill up an entire room just to find out who added which detail where. In their original forms, then, each of these books was written to be read, studied, processed, and molded upon on their own. Not to the exclusion of other parallel narratives, of course, but first to be allowed to have their say before being sliced, diced, and compared. We are admittedly doing a bit of the latter here, focusing on the Abra plan as a whole, but if you're keen on digging deeper into specific books within the manual, there's an avalanche of aids out there with which to do so. I heartily encourage you in that adventure, after you finish this. So, the chronicler unpacks more detail after everyone's gotten their plate of food from the buffet that day, and tells us how David reinstalls the Levites in their position of care of the ark with an important added difference. The resonance from the marching band in the parade is to continue on both levels, as David appoints the best of the musicians to bring songs of praise before me on a regular basis from now on. Thus, a major chapter in the life of Israel and their worship of me kicks in. Now, it's not like they haven't been singing to and praising us all along here, but you can easily recognize that there's been no systematic worship going on for a long time, what with my ark gathering cobwebs for decades and all. David's charge to the musicians, uh, please note that those playing instruments and those singing are included in this. They are not the musicians and the singers. Singers are musicians too. Well, almost all of them. David's charge to the musicians is to extol, thank, and praise Yahweh, the God of Israel. Uh, we're in First Chronicles 16, 4 and following. See, you're looking it up now, aren't you? Please. Their leader this time around is the singer Asaph, who is also going to punctuate climaxes with the cymbals while he sings, and who we discover later is also not too shabby a composer himself. The chronicler goes into this much detail because of how important the praise and worship life of Israel is about to become. You'll recall that this aspect of the nation's life is one of the reasons David makes one of his entrances into the Abra plan earlier, where he's first heard of as a crack liar player and brought in to soothe King Saul's savage nerves. Well, now there's a whole orchestra of harps and lyres raising tunes to praise us for our glory and to thank me for what I've done and it all starts the day my ark is brought into Jerusalem for the first time, the day my people feast beside me in the new capital set aside by their new king, that fellow after my heart. So what's the first song Asaph and his comrades lift to me in this historic moment? Well, this time, I would love for you to get the owner's manual out and read it for yourself. If you don't remember where you put it, ask me and I'll help you find it. Go on, get it, get the tablet out, fire up the app. Now turn to First Chronicles 16. Extra points to those of you who already have it there because of the previous mention. Have I got my eye on you? You can pick up at verse 7. That's First Chronicles 16, verse 7. 
and take your time all the way to the end of the chapter. Read with your eyes open, thinking of all we've been highlighting here on the way. Ready? Oh, wait. Remember, every time Tom has Lord in all small caps, the original Hebrew was Yahweh. It's continually amazing that I let you use my first name, so use it. Ready? Go. And for the majority of you who did not take the time to get out your manual, and I love you still, here it is. Those of you with your text, follow along. Give praise to Yahweh. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek Yahweh rejoice. Look to Yahweh and his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. You, his servants, the descendants of Israel, his chosen ones, the children of Jacob. He is Yahweh our God, his judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever, the promise he made for a thousand generations, the covenant he made with Abraham, the oath he swore to Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob as a decree, to Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion you will inherit. When they were but few in number, few indeed, and strangers in it, they wandered from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another. He allowed no one to oppress them. For their sake he rebuked kings. Do not touch my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. Sing to Yahweh all the earth. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is Yahweh and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but Yahweh made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. Ascribe to Yahweh all you families of nations. Ascribe to Yahweh glory and strength. Ascribe to Yahweh the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship Yahweh in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, Yahweh reigns. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let the trees of the forest sing. Let them sing for joy before Yahweh, for he comes to judge the earth. Give thanks to Yahweh, for he is good. His love endures forever. Cry out, Save us, God our Savior. Gather us and deliver us from the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Praise be to Yahweh, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Then all the people said, Amen, 
and praise Yahweh. Thanks for listening. We hope this episode has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to support what we do, give us a review on iTunes or on Facebook. Then share this podcast with your friends. There's a link to the first episode right under today's podcast on our website, 15minutesontheway.com. You can find a link to our Patreon page there as well. We're sponsored by the Oakhaven Church in the Barn in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Oleksandr Zadoyani writes our theme music at smartmediamusic.com. Kenny Eicher designs our website graphics, kennyeicherart.com. We hope today's podcast has reminded you that you, friend, are part of an epic story that is still unfolding today. So keep walking on the way. And until next time, be good to yourself.